How's your day? It was good. Good? It was, yeah, Solid day? It was very productive. I was awesome. very productive. Yeah. Uh, like, like I said, I'm, I'm like, every time I would start to stress, and thank you for, that is very good advice, because I say I'm sorry way too much on every plane. So, yeah. good advice. So, I'm going to ask you some questions. Okay. It's going to be different format, but same, same, um, same style questions that I asked you before. Okay. If you didn't have to sleep, what would you do with the extra time? I would probably read because reading often puts me to sleep and there's more I want to learn, but I, in, when I read it, I get tired mm. just because my life is so full and by the time I slow down enough to read, I fall asleep. What hobby would you get into if time and money weren't an issue? Hmm. Well, I have I have my basic answer because most of the things that I do I absolutely love and they don't cost any money. So swimming in the ocean, playing volleyball, you know, my yoga membership's pretty not real expensive. Like everything I do I love to do. If I had an extravagant thing where money was really not an issue, I would probably get into horse racing. <laughs> horse racing. Yeah. Interesting. Because it is the most spectacular sporting event. I want to go to the Kentucky Derby so bad. <laughs> and I will make it one of these days. Because I saw horse, like, I went and saw horse racing when I was 20 with some people that actually owned a horse. Mm. And to see it on that side, it's just like athletics. Like yeah. these horses are athletes. Yeah. The jockeys are so brave and they're awesome. They're amazing. But the horses are like athletes. I mean, they, they're, they're, they're trained and they're beautiful. They're just like, oh my gosh, I was blown away. But it's a really high risk, really expensive hobby. So yeah, that, that would be my, that would be mine. Yeah, for sure. What skill would you like to master? <sighs> a public speaking, for sure. That's my Achilles heel. And, um, the more comfortable I get with myself, the less trouble I have with it. Um, but, you know, larger crowds are still not my thing, so. Public speaking. Yeah. What would be the most amazing adventure to go on? I mean, I still haven't driven across the country. I've traveled a lot around the world, and there's a lot of places around the world I want to go, but honestly, I would love to just drive across the entire country, go all the way to Maine. I've never been... You know, that upper New England area, I've never been all the way up there. I've been in New York City, but, like, that's as far as I've been. So, yeah, I take out and not have time not be an issue so you're not in a hurry. What state or country would you never go back to? Hmm. I don't think I've been anywhere that I wouldn't go back to outside of this country. I have a bad memory of a trip to Laughlin, Nevada that I probably would have never <laughs> That's terrible, but I don't know, it was really hot and I didn't really get it. But, you know, that was, that's probably like yeah, that's the only thing. Yeah, I'm so, so hot and like, I just, it, it was hard, but that was a long time ago too. Um, 
Gosh, I've been to a lot of countries and I can't say that I've, I love the, I love the variety. I love the different lifestyles. I love to see all that stuff. So. What song have you completely memorized? Oh, a lot of songs. One that comes to mind? Uh, Let It Go by Zach Brown. That's the first one that comes to mind. One of my very favorites. Um, uh, what else do I love? I like so many songs. Uh, why are they not coming to me right now? Um, Don't Stop Believing by Journey. That's another favorite. This <laughs> is a classic. My favorite. Uh, Vienna by Billy Joel. Another good one. Almost all of the Billy Joel songs, really. I think I know every song. Um, <laughs> even We Didn't Start the Fire, which goes really, really fast. Those are, those are my tops, probably. What takes too much of your time? Paperwork. Not a fan. <laughs> what do you wish you knew more about? The human body and how it works. I just keep, I wasn't trained in that, but the older I get, the more curious I am about movement and body mechanics and things like that. But once, since I wasn't trained in that early, like I'm learning it through my own body. So now I'm seeking out things like yoga training and I talk the PT's ear off all the time. And I'm always asking, why is that this? And why do I move like that? And it's fascinating. Like the human body is like a really fascinating really case. Yeah. Um, what TV shows are you into? That's such a bad question. Cause I don't watch TV. I do not watch TV. I would like to, there's sometimes my kids will tell me something I have to see. Like I watched this Netflix show called, I think it was called atypical, mm. um, about, uh, like a teenager growing up that was on the autism spectrum and it was really endearing. It was well done. I really enjoyed it. Um, the last show I watched and this is going to date me was parenthood. And that was, that's been off the air now for probably like three or four years. Wow. Maybe long, no longer than that. Oh jeez, yeah. I haven't watched TV. I'm no Game of Thrones. Like I hear people talk about that. I've never seen Mad Men. I've, there's all these great shows, but I don't watch them. What would you like to do the old-fashioned way? Oh, a lot of things, unfortunately, and fortunately. Like I'm, I'm pretty traditional. So, dinner time. I wish the world would shut down for dinner time because I think a lot of problems in this world could be solved if everybody sat down and had dinner every night. Or even like three nights a week. It's such good discussion. Like, slow it down. We're going way too fast. What is something that is considered luxury that you can live without? Bottled water. <laughs> Delivered, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a water snob. And I need to drink so much water that, like, yes, I just ordered bottled I was going to try to get away without it after I moved, and I just... I broke down. <laughs> <laughs> What's the furthest you've ever been from home? Hmm. Well, when I was a kid, I went to Japan. That was really far. I was only 14 and I went by myself or with the team. Mm -hmm. So I didn't, um, with no parents. So that was, that was like my first experience traveling internationally and I went without my parents. So mm -hmm. that one sticks in my head. That was, there was a lot of growth. Like I really, I had the best time though. I didn't want to come home. Right. Um, 
trying to think if I've been farther than that. Because I've been through Europe. haven't really been through Asia besides Japan. So, yeah. And then I don't think I went anywhere else until I was in my 20s. And I, when I got in that, I went to Paris and I was blown away. Yeah. But it's that feeling, like, now I know it because I've traveled enough. But when I was, like, 27 and I went and you get somewhere and you, you actually feel that fish out of water, like like things really work different in other places. And if you don't go see that, you kind of think like everything is the same and it all runs the same. And no, it's like, and that feeling to get comfortable with that feeling, I think is, if you can travel, like it's super important. And you can travel and without spending a lot of money. Right. I mean, there's way, I mean, you can there's definitely spend them a lot, but like, I don't think that funds should be, the end all, like it shouldn't stop you. Travel way better than stuff. If you and I agree, yeah. experiences oh. just like yeah, like, any well, yeah experiences and concerts like anything that creates a memory, like stuff is disposable. I'm just I'm I'm I've I've learned that through you know my life. I mean I've definitely had plenty of stuff, but I'm definitely at a minimalist stage. <laughs> Who are you trying to help with the Optimist Journal? I'm trying to help people understand that there's so much more compassion out there than I think we all believe. I think we see the critics so much faster. I think we feel the judgment so much quicker. But I also think that that holds us back. And then we don't tell our stories. And people don't even know what we're going through. And so what looks one way from the outside, it's all... So it's not always different on the inside, but I think a lot of times it is. And people like these generations, like it's like building up scar tissue. Like we have so much pain and then we pass it on rather than being honest about it and like letting it out and being met with people by people who love us and that would want to help us, but they don't even know they need to help. You know, we just try to shoulder stuff. I know I did. And when you shoulder stuff and then you start compensating, you create all of these patterns that just, they don't work. They don't establish strong families. We all end up, you know, there's so much shame and fear involved and the world, our, our world kind of closes in on us. And the second that you tell your story, like this huge weight lifts off of you. And all of a sudden, like the shame goes away and you, you can work out of a pattern of not feeling like, you know, anyone's out to get you or someone's trying to... You know, they're, they're, like they're trying to wrong you. Like most of the time when someone's asking, it's because they care. And that's been my experience and I've tried to help. And I think everything I'm writing about is just kind of the same thing I'm trying to teach around my own dinner table. Like I just want to heal. I want people to heal. I want there to be less addiction and less sadness in the world. Could you describe the book a little bit? Well, I've been writing for a long time. I just didn't realize how much material I had. And I'm kind of a vignette writer. Like I just take moments and I'll go, oh, that's something I want to capture. Like I just see, like I, it's almost like a freeze frame in my day where I'll just like be going through my day and all of a sudden something comes together. And, well, and it's usually something really simple and I just see a connection, like I see, the universal truth meeting the specific of the moment. And when those two things connect, 
then you know that other people are going to resonate with that too. Like the, like I, cause you just, so many times when you're talking out, people say, Oh, me too, me too. And so in my book, I think I just take those universal truths that I've learned through my specific experiences in, and just kind of put my, put my words to them. And writing is just something that's given me, it's, it's been therapy, it's been, it's a creative outlet, and it's just something I enjoy doing so much that you realize if you found something that you really love to do, and you, I mean, you want to try to make a living at it, because is there anything better than getting up and doing what you love to do every day? I think that's another thing, like people are scared to do that. And I've been blessed enough to be put in a position where I can, you know, I can throw it out there. And I honestly think, I think we put ourselves in these boxes where we think we can't throw it out there. And, you know, a lot of times that's just fear. Like we can make choices, we can back ourselves down, we can live on a smaller budget, we can, living your life doing something that you don't want to do is, this is a death sentence. Like it takes years off our lives. Like if you know you want to do something, go do it. So that's basically like I've been building towards this and trying to figure out, you know, how the book came together. And you kind of helped me see it. Like you, like I just have, looking at all the content I have, I'm like, oh my gosh, pretty much have a book here. So that's pretty much how it came together. <laughs> but it's probably, it's years of writing. It's just building that file based on all those experiences over time. Are you excited about it? I'm super excited, yeah. I've never, like, I feel like I have... So much on my plate, I feel like I'm, I'm taking on a lot, but because it's what I, exactly, it's my dream, it's what I want to do, like you have this boundless energy and, you'll, and you know that you'll make it happen. So, people have the feeling, right? Same feeling you might be feeling right now, overwhelmed. Yeah. How do you deal with that? Articulate that for me. Well, that's where my yoga comes in, big time. So... I think learning to slow down and breathe, which sounds so simplistic, it's changed my life. I went to yoga basically because I'd been injured in sports and my body was way off balance. My right side's way weaker than my left side. So I was like, oh, I'll start, I'll try yoga because they train right side and then left side and I'll, maybe I'll heal some of this imbalance in my body. And so I started going and I tend to get into things like I love if I'm swimming I'm swimming if I'm playing volleyball I'm playing volleyball like I get obsessive about whatever my exercise is so of course I started yoga I'm like oh I love it and I'm learning how to breathe but I'm really thinking oh I'm just shaping my body I'm strengthening my my body and then all of a sudden like I just started noticing these differences of like the calm that was coming over me and my ability to slow down in a moment and take it in and like my 16 year old, he's always told me, he's like, mom, what is, like, what's stressing about it going to change anything? You know, he's this super chill kid and he's like, get in the car and I'd be like, oh, we're late, we're late, we're late. And he'd be like, so we're late. Like, what is stressing about it going to change? So yeah, I think I just learned how to find that calm. And now I really don't get overwhelmed as much. Like I'm, I am under the gun right now. Like I have so many things on my plate. I'm trying to finish my yoga teacher certification. I'm, you know, finishing the book. I'm doing all these things. Like we launched this. You're working, and I, all of this, pro, all of these projects that are so near and dear to my heart, 
plus my kids, like plus, I mean, every, everybody's chipping in right now, but I can always stop and breathe. I can always be present. And that, I did not used to have that before I started yoga. So how do you define perspective? You know, I think the world is just so much richer with the more different perspectives that we can take in. And we can allow them to shape ours if we really know what we believe. But, you know, in the end, like I was raised in a family where there was discourse and it didn't have to be dramatic and it didn't have to be offensive. And I just think people get offended so quickly these days. And I think when we're scared, like it has to be black or white. It has to be yes or no. It's like a very, like options are very like binary. This is, it's this or it's this. And usually it's somewhere in the middle, right? And we can learn from each other if we don't get upset. But people get so upset so quickly these days. And I don't know if it's because we have 24 hour news or we have like just so much coming at us that we feel like we have to cling to what we know mm -hmm. because it's just scary the amount of information that's out there. Like what do we believe? Who do we trust, right? But when it's just people talking with people, like I really wish we could, again, slow down and just listen to each other because there's always something to learn. And if somebody, like different political parties, like I think that's one of my quotes is like leaders, what did I say? Leaders find, or they, they find, well, they find common ground in disagreement. They find like, Discourse is not a scary thing. It's conversation. Exactly. You know? And, and seeing the world through different lens also yeah. allows you to articulate better. Right. Because at the end, it's like, hey. And if you don't understand where someone else is coming from. Well, see, what right? I've done to get help that bridge, yeah. I articulate their argument to the best of my capability to them. Uh-huh. And that normally, like, you oh. can't say that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, right. hey, hey, look, this is what you're saying. And yeah. this is what I'm saying because of this. And right. Like, but you might have been, you could, you know, you're raised in different places. You had different parents. You, like, we only know what we're exposed to. So you got to keep exposing yourself to different stuff because there might be something out there that you don't even know. Right. Right? So how could you always be right if there's so much that you haven't experienced? So, yeah, seek different experiences. So there's no evidence out there. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of bad. Yeah. How do you deal with the bad? Well, on the grander scale, I mean, my faith really is what holds me up. Like, there's stuff out there that I just don't understand. I mean, bad accidents happen. You know, people, you know, intentionally hurt other people, which I can't even, like, those are the things that, like, I do have those moments where I'm like, why, God, why did that? Like, why? But to me, like, my faith, like, I'm, I am one of those everything happens for a reason type of people. And I've been challenged in some areas, you know. I mean, my divorce and, you know, Matthew's near drowning and things like... I've had some, some serious challenges, but they're not... Like, I'm okay, you know. And I, I don't know if that's my faith that says, like, I will, I will rise out of any situation. And I truly, in my core, I believe that. Yeah. Um, even when I'm scared, like, I've never, I, I, I've, 
I know I'll never again put my head down. There's things I am still scared of, but I'll never put my head down again and say, like, I can't handle this. Because between my faith and, like, the strength that I now realize is, like, at my core, which I'm so thankful for. Like, it's, you know, it was raised into me. It's been, like, the ex my experiences I've had have given it to me. I didn't know it was there. I had no idea. So sometimes I think we're battle-tested. And that's, you know, we have to be battle-tested to get us to the next level. Like, life just humming along. That actually used to be one of my biggest fears because I would say, like, I've had this incredibly blessed life. I've never been challenged. Like, oh gosh, if I was challenged, what would happen? What if I can't handle the challenge? And I would like run myself through that. And then I got challenged. And I, I've had the biggest moments of clarity from those times that I have been absolutely challenged for that moment that I was in. And now I look back on those moments and go, no, I had that. And like, I learned this. I learned, I learned how strong my faith is. I learned you know, how to get up and put one foot in front of the other and know at some, on some level that things are going to get better. And I think that's what, you know, that's the optimistic pr perspective in me. It's just having that knowledge that you do have the control to make things better. You don't have the control over everything, but you have the control to make things better in your day. Sometimes it just takes a little more work. <laughs> so you've been through a divorce. Yeah. What advice do you have people going through that position? Forgive. Let it, you know, I mean, if you've done everything that you can, forgiveness is for the forgiver. And when we can't forgive, it really just holds back, holds us back from our, our you know, greatest potential. And, you know, everybody makes mistakes. It's, it's a, you know, it's, it's, there's two people in a marriage. There's always, like, you know, no one's perfect. And expecting people to be perfect isn't fair. Um, but if you're on the other side of it, like, you really have to seize your opportunities. You have to rise up. Like, it's better if you have kids. I mean, show them your strength. Show them your resolve. Show them your ability to not be petty. Show them your ability to let go of your ego. And honestly, like, show them your ability to continue to love. Like, you can't be jaded and bitter. It's like, it's just no way to live. And bad things happen. Like, bad things. Like, it's so hard. Some things are so hard to forgive. But, I, you know, people have forgiven murder before. You know, I mean, you hear stories of, like, you know, parents forgiving the murder of their child. I mean, like, there's just terrible stories out there. But we have that, that capacity of forgiveness in us is maybe the strongest thing that this world really needs. What inspires you to be better? My kids. Absolutely. 100%. Like, when you are setting an example for somebody else, and you know, like, I know how much I remember of my childhood. Mm -hmm. And you know you're creating memories. And you're creating habits and patterns and traditions. Like, they're like, they're just little sponges, you know. And my kids are big now. But it's like, they, the, the things they remember, man, they are, they're worth 
you know, correcting course for. They're worth, you know, looking for the best possible option and just trying to always set an example that I know that I would want them to follow and that they would be proud of me. Define your correlation between sports and life. Oh, I love the, the game of life is my thing. Um, sports has taught me like so much about how to handle pressure and how I handle pressure. Like I can look back on my, you know, things that I've done and know that like, oh, I kind of, I kind of crumbled right there or like I let that get to me versus, I mean, there's focus, there's learning how to be coached without, you know, like letting your ego go and, and knowing how to take constructive criticism. There's, I mean, starting out with my kids, it's like remembering where your jersey is, like pack your own bag, like just responsibility, show up on time, be a good teammate. All of that stuff relates to life, right? I mean, you show up to your first job, like you want to be prepared. You want, you know, you want to get along with your coworkers. You want to be able to take constructive criticism from your boss. Like it, it's all, it's all related. Like I, but it also relates like the things in my body that, you know, finding, like when I find balance in my body, I find balance in my life. So I'm, because I feel everything so deeply, I, I'm really in touch with like what I feel, both like in my heart, in my body and in the world. It's all, it's all the same. Like I, I just. You consider yourself an empathetic person. Yeah. Which or, sometimes is hard, right? When is that too far, or when is it <sighs> boundaries? Yeah, boundaries. I'm so what, just what's learning. What's the boundary? <laughs> well, I'm, I've learned so much about boundaries. Because like, it's hard when you're somebody like you want to make things better for other people, and you know when you when you have that eye, or you you like you almost draw it in, right? Like I see people, I feel for them if they say like, oh, you know. I had a car accident or I had like I want to help whenever I can hmm. but you know there's there's situations in the world where empathetic people get taken advantage of right you can't just like say you know shell out money or shell out your time and no like no people are not gonna they're not always gonna return that and you don't do th I don't do anything to get something in return but you don't want to be taken advantage of and that's a very, it's a fine line. When you're an empath, like, it's a very fine line. You can easily be taken advantage of. So you, you've sharpened that. <laughs> very much. Um, what are my boundaries? Like, really hard and fast. Um, I take care of myself first now. Like, when, I'm, when I take care of myself, I'm in better shape to take care of my kids or my friends or, you know, I, I don't, I learn how to prioritize. So... We would say in a system of value hierarchy, you're at the top of your own internal. Yes, which is something very, very new for me. So, what's the fine line yeah. between that and arrogance? The because last thing I would ever want to be seen as, as is arrogant. Like, right. that's probably been my biggest fear in starting. The Optimist Journal is people thinking, I have the way of doing something or the viewpoint of on something. So I think the key in not being arrogant is really delivering 
one, this is one way. This is how I see it. Two, um, it's not a you should. What are you self-conscious about? Hmm. I've tried to shorten that list. I'm trying to get more comfortable with myself. Um, my voice. Just, I don't know whether that's just speaking my, 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 my speaking voice physically or like just letting it out there. But the written word is just so much more. It's safer, you know. <laughs> I can reread it. I can be, you know. The judge of your own words. Yeah. And then. Um, I feel like you do that on a daily just when you talk, though. I do. And this is something I've been zeroing in on, and I've, people have called me out on this lately. And it's true. I second guess myself. Even though I'm decisive, like I'm decisive when it comes to, say, my business or, um, you know, we're going to we're going to go this direction or but I second guess myself in what I know. Mm, okay. And I know myself. I know myself well, but there's still something in me that I will tend to second guess myself along the way when it comes to, you know, speaking my mind or, you know, certain actions. And when I know I'm getting better. Because I do have core convictions that are really strong, but sometimes they're different than the world's. You know, the, right. and that's yeah. scary. You have values. I have, yeah, and and <laughs> and values are like they can be different. You know, other people can think something that you don't believe. Right. I can be true to myself. You can be true to yourself. And as long as we're no one's trying to hurt anybody, we're okay, right? Right. But. Yeah, that can be a scary situation where you feel like other people are going to see things differently. And then do you do you worry? If you know yourself really well, do you worry about what those other people think? Or do you just, you know, stay on your course? So, self-image. Self-image, yeah. How do you see yourself? Less timid than I used to be. Less scared than I used to be. Um, less shy than I used to be. All these things that I've kind of been telling myself my whole life, this is what you are, I'm kind of down with that. Like, I'm strong, and I'm a leader, and I, I won't say I didn't know it, because I've had maybe my own quiet confidence my whole life. I've never needed to be the loudest person in the room. I don't really love a ton of attention. I'm trying to get to the bottom of that because this is obviously like wanting to do this. Like this is attention, right? But it's for a cause. It's for something that means something to me. Um, what would you say the cause of the Optimist Journal? What's the cause? To teach people to see the good in all of our stories. Um, there's always a silver lining. I, it's so, I mean, that's a blanket statement because there's some really harsh things in this world. But most of our days, and, it, it, you know, where I live, you know, I, I look and I see people not appreciating what they have. and So you'd say there's a lot of people that... Yeah, appreciate the simple things. Like, look for the good. Just keep looking for the good. Because when we, you know, there's always going to be something that's off. But when we don't appreciate, like, 
you know, how can you go through this? You get one go around. Like, how can you not go through looking for the silver lining? I, I that's just not, I'm lucky that I was raised by optimistic parents that always, you know, and they backed up their optimism right. with a work ethic, which I think is a huge, like, I'm not talking blind optimism here. I'm talking reason to get up in the morning and go grind. Right. And that's what real optimism is. Like, it is right. not about rose-colored glasses and like, oh, everything's just going to be okay and I don't have to worry about it. Like, no, you make it good. But by being an optimist, you have the energy to make it good. You know? The right. pe pessimism just, like, sucks the life out of you. And the life of everyone Everybody around. else in the room, for sure. I never want to be that person. Me neither. <laughs> Me neither. It's, it's a sad life for that yeah. person. Yeah, yeah. If you could do something over, what what would that be? <sighs> I mean, I have very few regrets in my life. I honestly, the fact that I still have my little boy, like I never would have left him anywhere near water and had that experience. But the fact that I still have him and that he's okay, I think that's probably the situation where I go, you know, God was trying to teach me something and I don't know what made me so lucky to be able to have Matthew here because if that had turned out differently, that would be a huge, huge regret. And I do regret that he had to go through that. But what I learned about his strength, about my strength, um, about the power of prayer, that I actually believe in real miracles. Like I saw one. So, you know, even that, like to say I regret, like that's that's my, when I when you say regret, that's the thing that comes to my mind first. Mm. But everything else, I'm like, I, Everything happens for a reason. It might not be the way you want it to be. Or the reason you want it to be. The reason you want exactly. But you you know, you have the power to make good in your life. And so it's hard to have regrets because you can, you know, you just you keep moving and you change and you grow. And then there's no regret. There's just growth. Right. What advice would you give to people that are addicted to some, something, that's someone? A, that's a hard one for me. I mean, the biggest thing, because I've never been addicted to a substance. I've certainly been scared in a relationship, kind of like a codependent state where, mm. you know, I think in my marriage, I, I definitely was addicted to an idea of needing somebody like that I couldn't do something on my own. Um, and that went beyond the traditional sense. Like I thought that's a traditional sense of marriage and I so wholeheartedly believe in strong, happy families, like more than I could possibly express. But there is a thing, and this goes to that generational pain, there is a thing called codependency and I do have experience with that. and. I, I've never chemically 
been addicted to something, so I don't know that feeling in the body of like having to beat something that has chemically changed my, you know, my being. But um, I've seen people beat addiction, and again, those are those stories where the, those people come out and they have learned something so deep, and they're the most evolved beautiful people you know they just have an awareness about them and so I don't know that it, I don't think when you're on the inside of that you can see it but you know I just pray that there's people around that can help from those early stages to get you to a state I mean because like, I, I think there's a point where you know it's a it's, it's a real disease and it's a sickness and you know come for the people on the outside I mean compassion not not anger and all of those things they go a long way, but in the end, you know, it's always up to us to better our situation. Right. And when we better our situation, then we can better the lives of others. But like in the end, you can't do the work for somebody, right? right. So to say, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, like that—that right. that is my mentality a lot of times. But it's not always, you know, it's not easy. It's. I, I don't take it lightly and I have been I've seen it firsthand and you know it's a heck of a lift right what's the scariest monster you could imagine oh man we talked about this I forgot what I said um, <laughs> yeah I know I remember when you, this, you asked me this a couple of days ago um the one that robs my memory because everything that I've learned is connected to my memory and I I just can't imagine not being able to connect those dots and I you know I've heard people say before like body or mind like if you had to lose one of those and I am so afraid of losing um, you know I love my lifestyle I love to be able to move my body and play sports and do that, but the monster that takes away your mind, mm. that, I mean, like everything's living up here, you know, and I, I can't imagine I would be, that would be a terrifying. If all of a sudden you became a master of woodworking, what would you create? Hmm. I'm definitely not one who likes to close things in. So I would build something that was outside. Um, I've always said if I could build a house, like I'd probably build my dream house, right? I mean, I've always said if I could build a house, I would build with doors that always open to the outside. So that, you know, I could, if I had to, the first thing I would do was walk outside in the morning. Because there's nothing better than being outdoors in the morning. And I don't like my answer to the genie question. <laughs> I might have to do that one again. Yeah, we'll think about it and then we'll do it, yeah. we'll do it over. I did not like that answer. Anyway. If you were a dictator of a small nation, what crazy dictator stuff would you do? <laughs> <laughs> I'd make everybody a morning person because morning is just the best 
and I think we yeah it just gets everybody out on the right side of the bed like I would I would turn people into morning people I think I wouldn't make you like get up and go to the gym but you got to get up and see that sunrise and it is there's nothing more energizing than that um I think we'd all have I don't know. I, a dictator's hard for me because I just want to create a sense of community. So I would, you know, I don't know. I don't know that you can do that through a dictatorship, but yeah, to create a sense of community and have people that know they can rely on each other, hmm. you know, whether they're family or friends or. So you would impose values. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that I think community comes out of common experience. So maybe you know, if I'm not a mean dictator, we could yeah, we could do it, right? You're not a tyrant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, common experience is what creates community. So. What are you absolutely determined to do? I'm just absolutely determined to live my best life. Like when I'm scared of something now, I'm going to do it. When I know it's for me, but maybe somebody else doesn't, I'm going to do it. Like that's the beauty of, of age. And there's a lot of things like that are scary about getting older, but the ability to, to know yourself better and better and to be willing to peel back the layers and figure out, like I've had some experiences lately where I feel like there's like infinite amounts of stuff that I still haven't figured out about myself. And I'm not afraid to go and, and I'm not afraid to go and try, you know? And, and there's gonna be bumps along the way and there's gonna be critics and there's gonna be, but I just, like, I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied not knowing. Like, I wanna know what's on the deepest level and I, like, I gotta figure that out. What questions do you have for what is to come? How does your experience, like as your life experience keeps changing and you seek different things, like how do you remain true to your, you know, stay true to yourself? Because, you know, given different circumstances, whatever circumstances you find yourself in, whether it be great success or a tragedy or anything like, you know, circumstances can change. But I think staying true to yourself in those circumstances is just so important. Like, what are the tenets? How do you do that? Wow. You know, and I, I feel like I try to do that every day. But like, yeah, if there was like a God that wanted to answer that question for me, I'd be all over that. Um, you know, because I think, you know, other people can change us. And that's mm -hmm. a scary thing to me. It really is. Yeah. But. It can be a good thing. But. That's why you keep people that you like around you. You know, people with the best of intentions. Yes. Always, always checking intentions. And, and having a better compass now. And, you know, as you get older, you do. Like, I, for me, I'm a very trusting person by nature. But I do feel like I have a better eye now of, like. Uh, you know, I should probably be a little smarter about this or, you know, I, you know, I, I don't, 
I would say I'm more informed. I'm still very trusting, but I'm more informed. Um, how do you see the internet? I think overall it's such a hugely positive thing. Like, I mean, the world is meant to evolve and change. And like, how do you discount minds that create this stuff? I mean, it's where we've come and, you know, this kind of scares me to say, like, has it been, yeah, I mean, like I graduated from college in 1996 and I had a, one of my assignments was to get an email account. Like Netscape had just started. Like it was, there was a World Wide Web where you went to the computer lab and you like kind of was like, what is this? And like, look where we are with drones and like Amazon showing up on my doorstep, like in no time, you know, it, it's mind blowing. Like where we've come is if you, if you had somebody that, you know, look back, I, I just, so I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the internet. I think it actually builds connection in my life. It builds connection. I, I think that there's a lot of people out there that are like-minded that now have the ability to connect that didn't before. Um, I think it makes relationships more accessible that I probably wouldn't have had the opportunity to keep up. Hmm. But I know I love seeing, you know, my friends' kids grow up in different areas, or you know, knowing cousins that I wouldn't have that I like honestly still get to talk to because of Facebook or Instagram or like it's it's pretty huge because it you know we didn't used to have the capacity to talk to that many people in a lifetime and now we're you know seeing them we see them yeah I mean you can face you can FaceTime them right so overall I think the internet's huge is is a positive thing I think you know instant gratification and children being raised in this day and age without a framework or a value system mm -hmm. that teaches them to be patient and have self-control and know that their self-esteem shouldn't be based on likes or followers or all of that stuff like that's that's pretty serious stuff and I'm you know I, I'm my kids I, they know I like to I like to talk about that stuff um, you know they didn't have social media until they got to high school uh, Stuff like that. I mean, I don't think that technology and the internet is for the youngest of the young and the, that we should be bringing them up based on that. Right, right. What are you most proud of? I'm gonna, mm -hmm. I'm gonna, put, I'm gonna cut that question in two. Okay. What are you most proud of externally and internally? I mean, it's hard to say. I'm, I'm externally, I'm most proud of my kids. Like they've weathered some storms. They're like, they're good kids, and they, they haven't given me a lot of problems. And they, they, they toe the line. They're good people. They, you know, they're good to their friends. I mean, I think every parent thinks their kid's great. So I'm not one to say like, never my kid. Like the kids make mistakes. They do things. But I'm, uh, yeah, they're my greatest achievement for sure. Um, that doesn't mean I live through them. Like mm -hmm. I, I very much am a such a believer in letting them have their own dreams and their own lives. And what about internally? Internally, I think I'm most proud of my strength. And it's funny because I think that was 
it's odd that that's the thing that I've probably questioned the most throughout my life. And now I sit here today and go, man, I'm strong. Right. Like, and I'm proud of that. And it doesn't mean that, you know, some things in my life are way easier than other people's and some things in my life are way harder than other people's. But I know from my own given circumstances, which is the life I get to lead, like, I'm strong and I can handle it. And, yeah, it makes me really proud. What do you want your viewers to know about you? That even though judgment is natural, I am like the least judgy person on the face of the planet. I don't judge. I want people to tell their stories because I think that things need to be let out. And I, I think hard about what it is I would judge at this point in my life. I just want people to, I want people to live their best lives. Like I don't, I think when people feel judged, they, they're afraid to, to talk. And you know, it, they, they don't, they, they don't let it out. And there's so much silence. And I just like, my analogy is that that I mean, this is, this is like my experience as far as knowing, like addiction. If you have a dinner table and, you know, there's a lot of alcohol in the family and somebody's drinking, you don't sit around that dinner table. You're going to get up and leave as fast as you possibly can. And I think when you... Like, we all need to be comfortable enough to sit in a moment and, like, be honest with each other. And it always, for me, like, I want that to happen. And I don't want something getting in the way or making, you know, altering the moment to where that's not possible. Right. Like, I don't want that situation where I, I, I've always said, like, I've always been the one up cooking dinner. And then, like, one of my biggest disappointments would be, I'd finish all of this cooking and I'd sit down and we'd like people would be like by the time I put a kid in a high chair and da, 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 everybody's getting up to leave and I just want people to sit and talk and you know stay longer okay. and even though I'm an introvert and I do love to be on my own and I love my quiet time I love it when people sit and the longer you sit the better the conversation gets and those those truths are like buried deep and you got to sit around that table and like unravel them. And when you do like, those are the best moments in life. Deep conversations. Yeah. But deep, well, long form. Yeah. Like long, long form. Right. And you do, you can't get in your own way. You know, this is the reason that podcasts are becoming a lot more popular. Oh, well. ab absolutely. Because it's you involving. can drill down. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like, hey, I want to pick at that because maybe I got it wrong. Like right. I have this objection or that objection. Yeah. I don't have much. And it's not a script. Right. You know, right. it's like those conversations where somebody just says something and then you go, oh, that makes me think of that. And then you get to like drill down into the, 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 the real deeper truths and figure out what makes people tick. You figure out what works in life and what doesn't. You figure out there's just so many, like, you know, where that universal truth meets the specific areas of our lives. And then right. you get that Me Too moment where you feel that connection. And that's what it's all about. Right. You know? 
if we could all just, you know, sit back and listen. And like I said that, I, I wrote about going to John McCain's memorial. And when I sat there and listened to the two guys who ran against him get up and, and, and I know, I mean, man was smart. He planned his own memorial, which was brilliantly done. But when you can live a life where the people that you disagreed with most, like on a very high level, I mean, think about the, the dream of wanting to be the president of the United States. Think about the blood, sweat, and tears and the, the years of service that go into that. To have those people be able to stand up and say all those things about you, that shows you, like, we don't all have to believe the same stuff. There's so much, there's a level of respect that can be had out there when we all disagree. Like, it's, it's respect. It's listening. It's, it's slowing down and not feeling threatened and knowing that, like, people don't always have it out for you, you know? And trusting. Why do you feel like, whoa. In your perspective... Why do you think malevolence mm -hmm. happens to be half of what we see? Or, you know, that. Why is the yin and yang the way it is? <laughs> mm. Well, I mean, you can do, take that to a lot of levels. I mean, yeah, there's it's like. A deeply, it's yeah. a deeply philosophical talk. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's balance of energies out there. You know, I, I've been exposed to a lot of different things. I mean, just the frequencies that people are operating on. You know, we, we all are. You know, we're wired a little different. We choose, we make different choices that put us on different frequencies from each other. And then I think when we find someone that is like vibrating on that same frequency, that's when we feel that moment of like, oh my gosh, this is just blissful, right? This is so great. Like, um, but, You know, I honestly, so much of the malevolence out there stem, stems from pain and, and fear and shame, all of those things. And, and, you know, how do we get to be honest enough with ourselves where we deal with the stuff that causes that? Right. I mean... It's, what motivates you? I just, I, I have this deep desire to always do my best. And like I said, setting an example for my kids is huge. And I've never, I, like, I, I think I've been a pretty balanced person through my life. But I don't, I was lacking courage. And now I feel like my intuition and my courage are matching up. And that's hugely motivating. Like, when I know that I should do something, but in the past I've been afraid to do it, it's a it kills your motivation. And then you, like I said, you lay there and go, I should do this. And when you are paralyzed by fear, like, it just, it, you know, it cuts your energy. It just, like, you're not, you're not, you're not motivated. So really, it's my intuition matching up with my courage and motivation. <laughs> <laughs> Define intuition. Oh, 
It's that voice that you can choose to listen to or not. It's the feeling in your gut. You, it's, it's a, you know it on the deepest level and you don't even know why you know it. And I think I've had, like my intuition's always been really good. It's just always been having that confidence and courage to act on it. Um, You're obviously very knowledgeable. <laughs> and do you think that being knowledgeable sharpens your intuition to a different extent? It's almost a chicken or the egg question. Because I almost think that, you know... Can you have intuition without knowledge? I actually... Yeah. I think you sharpen it with knowledge. But I think people are born with intuition. Like, and I... Me I just remember, because I've always sensed things when I walk into a room. Mm. Like, I can feel tensions. I can feel pain. You know? Yeah. I don't remember a time when I couldn't. No. And then you're taking that all in, right? As a kid. Like, I remember my uncle, and there's... I don't know if this is, like, a scientific thing, but my uncle's an optometrist. I was in the third grade, and we would go get our eyes checked every year. My mom would take us up to the Bay Area and get our eyes checked by my uncle. And I'm in third grade, and he looks in my eyes, and he goes, Wendy, Wendy has worry lines in her eyes. Which, I don't even know if that's... But he said that. And he goes, I don't see this in kids. Like, I've been, like, I didn't know what to do with what I felt. Mm. What I sensed, what I saw, like, from a distance. And I think that's what's made me want to learn. So I think intuition, like, it, it made me ask questions, and then I learned more. Right. And, and I get that. I, I really completely mm -hmm. do that. Like, the expectation of what other people expect have for you, right? Right, because I'm also... And then being... Well, it's also understanding that the, the best way to solve their problems is by not giving them more problems, therefore not closing the communication yeah. gap. Not, not completely, well, but just at the point where it's like... Hey, I don't need to tell you guys every micro step that I make. Well, I think that's a big lesson in life, whether you learn it with your parents. Oh, and I'm not parents? suggesting, like, as underage kids then, right. who live under their parents' roofs, like, I, under, you know, yeah. I, I have rules for my kids. And, right. you know, I try to, you know, teenagers <laughs> are tricky. I'm sure there's a lot of things I don't know. Like I said, I'll never be the one that says not my kid. <laughs> but, um, you know, as we get older, learning how to tell our story and not... The story that someone wants us to tell or even that we've been influenced to tell I don't always think people are trying to say you know you have people that'll say like oh you should get married you should be a doctor no dad I want to be an actor no dad I want to be a musician like those are the classic cases right, right. but we're also just influenced and yeah. afraid like we're we're, we're we're creatures of our we're creatures of a habit we're products of our own environment right what we're exposed to is all that we know so when you don't know what's out there, like I said, uh, you know, I've said before, like, I didn't know I had this creative spirit. And so when I can't find, like, where's, what's my outlet, right? So you're just like, it's not that, bump, not that, but like, why don't I feel fulfilled until you go, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. 